0: and we're live welcome everybody here to the lakers lounge i'm anthony Irwin, uh joined today by friend of the show friend of me personally somebody i'm looking forward to seeing in like 24 hours or so in person where he can't get he can't just like hop off of the skype and not hear my takes anymore uh matt moore of the action network how you doing buddy i'm doing well man thanks for having me on again you are. Are you, uh, are you uh, a Threads guy now? Are you a Blue Sky guy now? Or are you a Both Twitter com- guy now? I'm
1: covering all the bases. <laughs> uh, Threads is tough because there's not a desktop app, so I'm like, yeah. I don't. I just I, I don't know how you're posting as much as you have to. Like you're like, you hit me up on Threads to, to post this, and I was like, how did you type this out? Like I don't understand. Like how did I don't know how to do all this. Uh-huh. I'm pretty. Here's the thing. I'm pretty good with technology, but I got to have the tools and like a lot of these things are just not giving me the tools to do this stuff. So, um, I like blue sky, but it looks like threads is going to win. I'll be on there as well.
0: So I, what I did for threads because I cannot type, you know, because of the same problem you're talking about with desktop, I actually copied the text from the tweet that I was going to send into Slack, grabbed it from Slack on my phone and then threw it on threads
1: elon uh, musk man thanks for doing this man just <laughs> thanks so much for putting us through this buddy <laughs> appreciate you for just making everyone's lives a little worse every day
0: it's just unbelievable it's wild how he fumbled the bag like dennis Schroeder is like dude what the hell like
1: at least not a little bit of that backup with toronto which that doesn't make yeah any sense, but
0: yeah yeah um all right so today's show Uh, We are going to talk about uh, the offseason that the Lakers have had so far. It is now just about over. I think right now they're basically deciding between Tristan Thompson and Colin Castleton for their 14th roster spot. Um, I'm going to... for Up until this point, I've thought and been told that it was probably going to be Thompson as kind of like a locker room presence, Jared Dudley, who can get in there, and occasionally if Jackson Hayes... Is not, you know, up for the task that night. Get in there and mix, mix things up a little bit. But um, the more I have kind of looked at their books and stuff, and given how close they are to the tax, I find myself wondering if they are instead going to go with Castleton, who would be signed to a deal about two ish million less than Thompson is going to make. And, uh, if they do that and leave that 15th roster spot open, I think they are either right below or right at the tax, but certainly close enough that they can get under it by season then, which I guess is, is, is still kind of similar to where they would be with Thompson, but this would get that just about done right at the very beginning of the season. So as that might be the roster, as it looks like they'll have 14 guys going into it next year, they pick up Vincent, they pick up Torian Prince. Uh, they pick up Jackson Hayes. They bring back Rui and Reeves and Delo um, to add to. Oh, they also opted into the Jared Vanderbilt deal, which uh, which is crazy because I not crazy that they picked it up, but crazy that I had no idea that it was an option. Um, there was that was not anywhere that I was seeing. But um, but yeah, that is going to be basically their team next year. And Matt, you are you work for the Action Network. You guys, in my um, maybe slightly biased opinion. Uh, put together the best betting content, I think, um, out there, and I wanted to ask you, as we typically do every year, how you um, think we should uh, bet on the Lakers next year. So uh, let's start macro. If let's say the Lakers come in, their win loss total comes in at like forty. No, maybe we'll say fifty. Maybe the maybe Vegas thinks they're a fifty win team. Um, a how close do you think that is to the number that they come in at and b where would you bet it
1: the lakers are fascinating from this perspective so a couple of things from a win totals perspective uh to kind of keep in mind they most closely start as a baseline related to what's called your pythagorean expected wins which is like you take your point differential And you extrapolate that out and you reach essentially what's a number for like what they should be at. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, From last season. Um, They should have been last season based on full season numbers. And again, this is full season numbers. um, They were projected at 42. Okay. And you go Mm -hmm. like, well, that's not who they were. They were not that team. Um, They were the team that they were after the all-star break, which I am kind of like, okay, they, you just can't throw out that. Like they were both teams. Mm-hmm. Maybe closer. To, they were definitely closer to the, the other whole one.
0: season. Did happen,
1: right? And here's what's actually what's really fascinating is I do think you have to weight it towards who they were after. Yeah. After they were 51, mm. so we have a 42, and we have a 51. <laughs> and so the question is, where in there do you do you run out when you factor in for what they look like from the from how the offseason and the playoffs turned out as well. You also have to factor in that there's always a Lakers bump. They are the most public team in the NBA. They are the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA. So they are always going to take on public money. Um, And bookmakers have told me this, that there are teams that that are public that they will artificially bump higher knowing they can get away with it. And there are teams that they bump lower knowing they can get away with it. So Memphis, they'll always drop it. Like Mm -hmm. they will always drop it because nobody's like, they want to get money on that, on that action. Nobody bets Memphis. Most Mm -hmm. years. this is this era is a little bit different with how popular they are, but like a random team. That's like, Oh, the magic are going to come in probably lower than what they would be at baseline because you adjust for how public they are. Um, As we kind of look at all this, I'm with you in and how you've presented what they've done with the off season, which is fine to good. I think is a really good definition of what they did. Mm-hmm. um it's somewhere between fine and good i think when you start adding on uh adverbs to good is when it starts to be like a little bit of a stretch not a massive one if you're like it was really good i'm like uh, mm, okay yeah. yeah a little bit pull back a little bit when we get into like they had an amazing off season what if oh, i okay. say pretty good
0: now, chill. that's not ad- <laughs> right what if i say pretty good pretty good's a fine.
1: that's fine pretty good is like that's like the adverb to use it's like pretty yeah. good yeah that was pretty yeah. good i think the best way for me to kind of look at it is they traded out parts for similar parts that might fit better while retaining yeah. the key components they had to like yeah. there was no way they were losing reeves but if they had just been like nah i'm gonna let reeves walk that would be an abject disaster um right. the DLo thing i think is the one that i'm kind of like i don't know like you probably just should have like bit the i would have bit the bullet and just been like either he leaves or we find a sign and trade. I would have gone Mm -hmm. that route.
0: They were trying Um, to find a sign and trade. Nobody's trading right
1: now. Nobody's nobody's trading for him. So you do what you can. It's better. This is where a lot of teams are at, where it's better to have the asset than not have the asset. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much I agree with that. Shorter to long-term, but I understand the thinking of it. Um, So all this is to say that if we have the, the, the regular season number of 41 and we have the, the after the trade number of 51 And we kind of come in where I think 50 is maybe a reasonable number to get to. I think that that's like possible. I could see with the Lakers bump. I could see their baseline for this being around 48. And then getting a two, a two game bump based off of the expectation of LeBron and 80. And they just made the Western conference finals. And we can put this at 50 and we know that we'll still get money on the over because everyone loves the Lakers. And then we can go the other way. It's very rare that now I will say this. There's also sharp books and there are not so sharp books. So a sharp book is a book like the super book in uh, Las Vegas, and they have mm-hmm. operations in a number of States. Y- you may see that like FanDuel, DraftKings, um, Bet365, Caesars, they may put out a number that's like 49 and a half, 50, 50 and a half. Mm-hmm. And then you might see that like superbook comes in at 48 and a half. F- superbook has, it makes their own lines. They are much more willing to take stances and they have historically been much more on the thing of, if you want to bet the Lakers, that's fine with us. Like yeah. they have taken on the opposite approach, which is we're not going to artificially bump it. We're actually going to go lower, which attracts more action because we're comfortable with our number. And we believe yeah. that there will be, there's a good enough chance for them to go under. Hmm. Um, so from that perspective, I think that that probably 50 and a half in the, in the public. I also think that probably by the time the training camp, like we get through the seat, they may open 48 and a half, 49. And then we get to a 50. If this pops at like 45 and a half, I just can't see that holding because they'll get hammered with over money. Like that's the halfway point, right? Is like 46 and a half ish would be about between the two. If they put this number anywhere South of 47, they're going to get hammered with over and they don't want that. You don't want your liability to be uneven. So it's got to be above 47. I think it's got to be below 51. So somewhere in that range is where I would expect it. And that's honestly about where I would have it as well.
0: Yeah. I, I, I want to um, go back to some terminology here and most people listening to this understand most of this stuff, but like the, the notion of the Lakers being a public team, that just means the amounts of money that comes in on them. Yes. Um, it more money comes in on the Lakers than any other team in the NBA. And because of that, like you're saying, it allows those books to to have a little bit of fun with what the Lakers are doing. And that's why I say, you know, um, when people hear me say that I bet conservatively on the Lakers, I take that into account. You know, I think the Lakers are probably like a, you know, 48, 49 win team next year, mostly because there just aren't very many wins to go around in the West right now. Like, until Portland trades Dame, which we think is going to happen, um, but until that happens, the only team that we can say is going into next season, like not trying to, to win is San Antonio. And all they, all they did is add a prodigious talent in, in, in Victor Womenyama, you know? So outside of that, and you know, yeah, like over the course of the season, you'll, you know, you'll have teams that start the year wanting to do one thing and then they'll realize, okay, yeah, we aren't going to win much in this crazy West or whatever and they'll fall off too. But uh, yeah, I, the heading into this, this, this Western conference, there are not very many wins to go around, so I think everybody's unders are going to be suppressed. A- or I would hammer just about everybody's unders in, in the West going into next year.
1: So a couple of interesting things on this is, one, unlike an in NFL, an in NFL basically, um, it's always profitable to bet unders. Unders hit way more often over the course of time than overs do in the NFL. In the NBA, this has not been the case. It yeah. is very even. And it fluctuates basically every other year with it being within a certain range, uh, one way or the other, but is not there's not nearly this um, consistency across of the under being valuable. And that also gets into what number you're laying in terms of the VIG, because like some numbers will be like by the end by the time that we get to the start of the season, there may be a Lakers under 50 and a half minus 120, where it's mm-hmm. like we're gonna keep the number high, but you gotta pay more juice for it. I mean, with an over plus 105, right? Like those differences of how much you pay on the VIG, which is the extra money you're taking off the bet or actually yeah. you're getting um, is, is kind of how that's determined well as well. The other thing I would say is you this era of parity, like this is the one thing nobody knows because this year we had like an incredible amount of parity. We had yeah. just, this was a very outlier year in terms of how the wins were distributed. If we see a reversion next year to more of a top heavy, middle chunk, really low bottom. And we had some very bad teams at the bottom this year, but we see more of the distribution of the, because what we had this year is basically two teams at the top of the box and the Celtics and then everybody else yeah, in the middle chunk. And then like Detroit, San Antonio, Houston at the bottom. Mm -hmm. If we see some of that redistribution back to a normal curve, a normal distribution of where we've seen these wins come in, then it's going to make, I think, the overs on some teams a lot more profitable. And you say, like, those wins have got to come from somewhere. I, I, I kind of hesitate on that because we do have this idea that the schedules are even. This is one of the areas that I do think that there's a little bit of, not a big, but a little bit of an edge to doing the deep dive work on schedule work. Yeah. Is that we have this idea that, well, everybody just plays everybody. That's yeah. not accurate. Right. The Lakers will play their division teams four times. So they are play in the Warriors, the Kings, uh, the Clippers and the suns those mm. are all playoff teams those are all playoff teams they play those teams they're all times.
0: trying to be playoff teams again right. next year <laughs>
1: and then because they're the lakers and they're good they'll also play denver four times they will play yeah. I'm trying to think who else they'll, they'll they'll play some of the other good Dallas. they'll probably play four times because mm-hmm. you want those national tv games so the lakers schedule will probably be a little bit tougher than yeah. average it washes out for the most part because also it doesn't you can have a game where it's like, oh, they had to play Dallas twice, oh, but Lucas set out tw- you know, two of them. Yeah. So it all kind of evens out over the course of a six-month, way-too-long season. One thing I think it's interesting, you kind of mentioned where you would have them. So my baseline number based off of last year's performance, I have them at 44 wins. Obviously, that's not accurate based off of how they performed post-All-Star. So the question is, like, I have them at a power rating of 1.1. Like, How much do I raise them up? Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that every point is a massive thing. This is what I was laughing about with uh, with how people approach some of these things on on Twitter where they're like, "Well, he's clearly worth like 15 wins." No player in the NBA is worth 15 wins, guys. Yeah. Zero <laughs> players in the NBA are worth 15 wins. If you get a 6, you're talking Jokic, you're talking Giannis, you're talking LeBron.
0: Yeah, I was going to um, ask like, "What what what's the highest number that you'll see on a player?"
1: I think six is about as high as it, as it would ever be in terms of a swing, especially from a win total perspective. Like if mm-hmm. Jokic was out for the entire season, knock on wood that that doesn't happen. If Jokic was out the entire season, you would have to adjust Denver's win total by at least six. Yeah. like, that, But if you start getting it at 10, are you going to drop them from 51 to 41 for a team that retains the championship core? Maybe, yeah. but you, you could bet the under, like you're welcome to bet the under, but there's only so far the books will go. Um, where I came out is I popped them up to two and a half based off of where they were at post all-star. And then I gave them another half point bump because I'm like, Torreon Prince, I think is a good addition. Mm -hmm. Gabe Vincent, I think is a good addition. And I'm okay with the guys that they gave up. Like I'd rather have Gabe Vincent than Dennis Schroeder. So kind of factor in all this and the chemistry and how it fits and all that stuff. So I bumped them up to a three and this pops us out at 49 win total. So, that Mm -hmm. kind of gives you an indication. If the number pops at 50, I'm probably staying away because that's well within the margin of, of injury error. If it goes at 45, um, I will absolutely, I'll have to bet the Lakers. Like I'll just uh, immediately have to bet the Lakers. If the number comes in at like something ridiculous, like 53, which I can't imagine, but if it came in at 53, if they really take a seven seed and give them 53 wins next season, I'll immediately bet the under for multiple units.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny because, uh, from what I've seen, and I'm relatively new to the, to the gambling game and certainly new as it, as it pertains to like really studying up on this stuff before I put money on it. Um, before, it was just like, oh, I have some money in my account. Screw it. I'll just kind of see how this thing plays out. But um, one thing that I've really noticed is uh, narratives as it pertains to the Lakers are pretty um, impactful, for the way that their their seasons are set up in Vegas. And what I mean by that is like like right now if you listen to almost any national podcast just about everybody not named Tim Bontemps is is pretty high on the Lakers off season, right? Wow, they they, they were able to keep Reeves at a good number. They were able to keep Rui at a, at a fairly good number. I think more people a little down on, on Rui's number, final number, then, then certainly than Reeves. Reeves contract is unbelievable. Um, D'Angelo Russell's like, well, you know, there's the asset aspect of it, but there's also like the talent aspect of it. And and I think the Lakers do need D'Angelo Russell's talent. But what I'm saying is, is Vegas, uh, you know, kind of takes that into account and um, applies that by what people are listening to. and, and we'll inflate some stuff based on what the narrative is about the Lakers, and and that's why again people take it as if I'm betting against the Lakers that I routinely bet against the Lakers. But I would I would more frame my approach to betting the Lakers as a wait and see kind of thing. Like you're talking about, there is so much gap here between where the Lakers could finally stand on this uh, it, it, as it pertains to just this one bet. Um, that like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's impossible really to say right now how I feel about them going in, but there are some trends and, and I do think like we have a a general frame for where you and I have them. And, and I think that is something to work off of long-term bets though, are, are a different matter altogether. I think, um, chances at winning the championship and stuff like that, there is almost never value uh, on the Lakers at the beginning of the season to win a championship? Never. So,
1: well, except for the fact that they, they do it so often. Um, I think, yeah. So if you look at it, uh, a good way to do this is, is on action network. We've got tools that actually allow you to figure out what the, what the implied odds are at the price. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one book in particular, uh, it's plus 900. Okay. And that comes out. If you do the implied odds, uh, that's a 10% chance. So you have a 10% chance of winning the NBA title right now. Yeah. And if you think, if you listen to that and you think, well, I, I think that that's low. I think they got, low. I mean, they were, they were in the Western conference finals. You know, they were competitive in every game versus Denver, who is the most dominant team. They had the best net rating versus Denver of any team. They had the best performance of any team versus Denver statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that number is too is is too low i think it should be 15 17 20 then technically speaking that is an ev bet that's an effective that's an effective value bet expected value bet like you're you think that this is higher than what the implied is and that's where your analysis comes in at um one of the things i think that's difficult with all of this is the injury factor for the books for the most part is kind of even where there's an expected chance of injury that they will adjust. If like the Clippers are going to have to be negated a little bit because of the number of games that Kawhi will miss. Yeah. Like that's just like implied that you're going to miss this many games. And I think that there's a little bit of that with Anthony Davis, but for the most part, these numbers are primarily set based on the idea that they're going to be healthy. It's like on average, you know, what does what does a healthy team look like? Um, and he, and it's like, all right, if the Lakers are completely healthy and they have the best injury luck next year, and AD plays seventy plus games, and all of this, then this numbers their their number probably tops out a little higher. Mm-hmm. Like it probably comes in fifty four. Like they can this team can very easily win fifty five games next season, mm-hmm. and that's even with me accounting that I don't think that necessarily that this is a an elite great team that's got nothing to do with how many games you can win in the regular season. You can absolutely just rattle off a bunch of wins and get to 54, 55. Um, It's I think difficult with what their profile looks like, especially offensively, but you can get there. Right. Mm -hmm. But injuries automatically start dinging you down. And so trying to figure out the variance of a 39 year old LeBron Mm -hmm. and Anthony uh, Davis is, is like it, it creates, I think a, a well of uncertainty that makes it very difficult to bet them. It's the same way. Like all, like I bet the Clippers over last year. And I like the Clippers value last year. And I love the way that they constructed their roster. And a lot of it was like their bench depth, which I was like, Oh, they're so deep. They're going to be fine. Even if Kawhi and PG miss times. Nope. All of those guys underperformed collectively, mm-hmm. individually, everyone sucked except Terrence Mann. And so like that outcome basically, got crushed by what was the already implied odds that Kawhi and PG were going to miss time, which they both did. So I think trying to figure out the variance here, you also talked about the narrative impact. I'll say this. um, There's certainly like wells of optimism that will move the numbers where they will come out with a number. And then if there is a, but you have to understand that there is a big difference between the, this is something I think that, that most people don't really consider. Okay. Um, If I make a bet, it's entirely different than if a large, not just money, but if a a known better that's incredibly sharp that they respect as an impact better that has consistently won money. If that person puts in a bet over or under, that will have more of an impact than 30 of me's, Mm
0: -hmm. even if
1: it's for the same value. So, That's where a lot of this comes in with the narrative. Is it's not you have to you, you're getting two different forces of pressure. Which is, if the sharp money comes in on the over and the public comes in on the over, it'll go up. If the sharp money comes in on the under, and the public money comes in on the over, it'll stay where it is because they're happy with that. They got live, but they've got an even distribution on both sides, and they're taking the vig and they're they're coming out ahead. So all of these kind of factors are what influence the market. There's this idea that you want even sides of on even money on both sides. That's not accurate. Like there are books, most books will take a position of we want, we are comfortable with money on this side versus the other side. And again, the super book to me is the, is the strongest book in this regard where they are, they are very open and and they've done this with the Lakers in the past when there was hype on them, where they would have a number that was two to three wins lower and they were still fine with you. Like they took on the over money and they were comfortable with it because their book, their odds makers made a projection and are comfortable with taking, with taking a position on what that's going to work out, which was to the under. And it did.
0: Yeah. Um, The last thing here on, on the gambling stuff and I, I and I, I can't help, but I want, I want to, I want to poke your brain about the Dame stuff because sure. it's just, it we can't, we can't escape it. But um, the last thing on the, on the, individual stuff with the Lakers um I- is there anybody that you're looking at next year who who you would uh see decent odds at to win an ind- individual award given that the media hates the Lakers and will never ever vote for them for anything <laughs>
1: uh I'm trying to think you know I think Reeves most improved might be in play that's one that I could see right like I think who's that I think Austin Reeves
0: oh yeah for the most improved mm-hmm
1: I think that's the case. Like if, if Reeves becomes a third star, if you're just like, I think Reeves is legitimately going to be like a star next season, then there's probably like an opportunity there to, to find a little bit of value. Um, The only other, like the the I've already bet Shea Gellers-Alexander to win MVP. That's like mm-hmm. I bet I've already put into the app. Um It's like 42 to one because mm-hmm. a combination of factors, but basically if everything were to work out to the optimum, if you have an outlier situation, then that's what it works at. The other thing I would say is if you're going to bet these futures, particularly for the awards, uh, awards or title, I would honestly tell you, do not bet anything that's below 10 to one before we get in season.
0: It's yeah. not worth
1: it. Uh, if you're making one bet for the year and you just want to be able to root for one team, if you're listening to this and you're just like, yeah, but I want to bet on the Lakers because they're my favorite team. Okay, go bet them at nine to one and, and carry that through historically what's surprising is you would not believe what the numbers are before the playoffs relative to preseason six Mm -hmm. months of data all those games played all of the injuries all of the variants how many things can change and you're very rarely getting a lot of value like you're just Mm -hmm. not getting a lot if you bet the Lakers at nine to one I would tell you that there's a very good chance that they're only six to one at best by the time that the playoffs roll around, and that is even if they have a great season, you just yeah. th- you are way better off waiting on numbers below ten to get to midseason before the playoffs. At some point, you will get a slightly sharper number, a slightly shorter number, um, but you will still have great value having already gone through. Oh, LeBron's not out for the season. Eighties not out for the season. Um, th- things Austin have did out. pop and Austin mm-hmm. did pop. Delo hasn't completely blown up the team, like all of these, or things. they've traded him. Yeah, like all of these yeah. things will have factored in. The only reason that you should bet Lakers nine to one right now, even if you want one bet for the season that's on the Lakers, the only reason you would do that is if you're like, I think they trade for Damian Lillard by midseason, or I think they trade for James Harden, or I like it has to be there is an element that the books cannot account for that is mm-hmm. likely to happen. And yeah. I, and keep in mind if we look at like the Damian Lillard situation is a great example of this. The heat were like 22 to 1, the Dame stuff comes out, they moved to 16 to 1. I got them at 14 to 1. It's now 10 to 1. That's not even indicative of where they will be after the trade is done because the books have to count in the the variants of what if they don't get him. Mm-hmm. Like until it's done, they can't move that number to where it should be. Yeah, which is probably they moved at four and a half to one th- or less, which is where about the Bucks are. Like they will have to move them dramatically, and like that's a situation where I got EV, but I'm betting multiple teams to win the championship all through the season. Like I build portfolios of a bunch of different teams. Yeah, except for the Sixers. Um, had the late <laughs> I had the Lakers as part of that portfolio last year because I was just like, what yeah. if what if they're just really good? Um, and so like that's something to keep in mind if you're looking to bet one team, and especially if it's the Lakers. Wait, you'll get a better price later on.
0: Yeah, and, and, like, if LeBron tweaks a hammy, that that number's going to drop lower. Correct. And, you know, like, Correct. it's just, those are, the, yeah, that's why I say I almost never, like, that's that's the most popular bet that people ask me about. And I always feel like such a wet blanket when I say, stay away. Because that's the one that, like, people are like, well, well, you know, the Lakers, 9-1 to to win a championship. I'm like, I'm, I'm telling you. Just, just wait for like a week. Anthony Davis is going to stub his toe. He's going to miss two weeks. And that's when you can jump on the Lakers at like 15 to one. And I
1: will know that number I gave up for nine to one is for the West. They're 15 to one to win the the title. Right. Yeah. And so if you're like, okay, but I, I want them to win the entire thing. Cause it's only one more round. That's like 6.25%. And if you're just like, well, I think they have a 10% chance of winning it. Again, you have EV, but I would also tell you that even at 15 to one for a team like the Lakers, you'll get a better price later. Like you mentioned, um, this is my favorite, the, not favorite not this last season, the season before 21, 22 Steph goes down with an ankle injury in January, I think is when he got hurt. Yeah. And immediately the books have to react. So the odds for the, for the warriors go way, way down. Yeah. And if you paid attention, I bet them then. Yeah. If you pay attention (laughs) to like the beat writers, Anthony Slater and Tim Kawakami and Marcus Thompson, everybody's is, is, is tweeting quotes from Kerr. That's like, yeah, we don't, you know, we're pretty confident he'll be back for the playoffs. And that like all the Intel and background too, of like the warriors are confident he'll be back for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Once I heard that it's like, this is an ankle tweak. He's going to be back and he's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden these odds are going to look ridiculous, but they have to account for that injury. Like yeah, they have to react to things that happen, And so you're able to get better prices on there. If you're able to say, okay, but he's not going to miss the playoffs. He's going to be back and he's going to be fine. This is an ankle tweak. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And we got really good prices on the warriors because of that. So again, same thing with with the, the lakers where it's like yeah lebron tweaked a hamstring he's going to be out a month. The odds are going to drop and you'll have a better price on them then. yeah. now um hold on I got one more thing for you. yeah, cuz you mentioned like the long term stuff when we start to narrow down the division is maybe where you can find some value. Mm. because they're going to have to be 50 is 50 if they're at 50 that's a high number right? cuz like i don't expect mm-hmm. the kings to be 50 even after last season. So it's like the Suns are going to be above, above 50. they will be probably 50 yeah. and a half, 52 and a half. I would be shocked if the Suns were not 52 and a half. So you're going to get a plus number on the Lakers. So if you just want to narrow it down to, I think the Lakers will be better than the Warriors, the Suns and the Kings, and then the Clippers or the Clippers. If you want to like, just get into that range, you'll probably be able to get them at a pretty good plus number. Like that's the kind of bet where you can get better value because again, that's a, a thing that will change once they start playing games. If the Lakers jump out to a 10 and one start, then that number is going to go to a minus really quickly. Even if the suns are still anchored as the favorite.
0: Last year was the first time a five team division all made the playoffs, right? I think so. That yeah. ha- Does that like, and, and all teams Um well, I, you could make the argument. Well, we got to see what happens with James Harden. If the Clippers get James Harden, though, this is the best division of all time, right? Like, this is... Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. like, you'd have to look at, like, the Southwest division back when you yeah. had the Spurs and the Mavs and the Rockets were good, yeah. right? But, but, like, this is pretty damn <laughs> this is This is insane. Like that, it's, like it's it, really, and, and you're playing those guys, like, once a week, basically. You know, by, by, you know, it's just, it's a bananas team.
1: I'm looking at, uh, yeah. So like, here's a good comparison for you. Okay. Um, and this one actually would be better because all five teams were good. Um, 2009 was a really pretty great year, uh, for that Southwest division. Like that's an incredibly Mm -hmm. good year. The Atlantic's had some runs, um, but like it, 08 is probably the better one. The Hornets had 56 wins. The Spurs had 56 wins. The Rockets had 55 wins. The Mavericks had 51 wins. But you had the Grizzlies that won 22. <laughs> so if you yeah. like, there's no, there's nobody to beat up in this division this season. right yeah. they're they're all good unless somebody falls apart. Right? Yeah, unless and, somebody gets
0: hurt, and then everybody beats up on them.
1: Yeah, but so. even then, I will say, you know, I talked about the schedule, and it does matter. But it, there's so much freaking variance, especially I think with this one, where it's like, yeah, you gotta face the Clippers, but are, are Kawhi and PG playing that night? Probably not. You know, with the Lakers, it's genuinely like, are they hurt? Like it's just yeah. like, are, are LeBron and and AD hurt versus a yeah. rest management thing? The Warriors is a little bit of a rest thing. If you get if the league gives you because like the Wolves beat the the Nuggets twice last year because they got the Nuggets three times on a back to back. Like if the league gives you that kind of schedule, you got a real opportunity to rack up wins in the division.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, really quickly, I want to talk about Dame and uh, the free agency that uh, stars want in trade demands and the notion that teams owe it to like, like Portland owes it to Dame to send him to Miami. And I know that I'm not necessarily the best, Voice to to (laughs) in this discussion because of the way that things went down with Anthony Davis, Mm -hmm. but even with AD, the Lakers still gave up a boatload of picks. Yes, and they gave up really talented young players. Right, Lonzo went on and got a max contract later. Uh, Brandon Ingram is on a max contract right now. Josh Hart was a playoff impact player. Um, Even Larry Nance Jr. was was you know had had some flashes here and there too. So like if we're comparing the the halls that we're talking about for dame and 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 ad it's no comparison because right now the offer i believe stands at like kyle lowry tyler hero and a couple picks maybe a couple pick swaps it's just not it's not um it's not comparable to me and that's why i guess i feel okay chiming in on it but the notion that like portland owes it specifically to dame does does Dame not owe anything to Portland either? Does that not like if if we just talk about what both sides have at stake here? Because the notion is that Portland owes it to Dame to send it to s- send him somewhere. Otherwise, they won't get stars, as if they were getting them before. Um, but like for Dame, the thing that has made him as popular as he is is the loyalty that he has had to Portland. But if now all of a sudden he makes this mess and refuses to go anywhere but Miami and be happy. Um, is he not kind of tarnishing the legacy that he's built here too? Like, I, I kind of feel like that door swings both ways. If things didn't end badly, they wouldn't end. Right. Yeah. I think
1: that's part of the equation here. The other thing I would say is. Um, I think Dame has fulfilled what he owes to Portland in the moments that he's given the franchise and the fans, like he's given them the iconic shots of, over James yeah. Harden's Rockets and over Paul George in the playoffs. And like those are the, the signature moments. A Western Conference Finals appearance, all of these playoff appearances, all of these Dame time moments. He's given the fans a lot of joy. He's given the franchise. He's made the franchise a lot of money. Okay, yeah. So I think he's he's done his part there. The question I have is, is there a responsibility to not hurt them on the way out the door? I don't think he right. needs to ensure that they get great value for him. But what he's doing is he's actively ensuring that they get horrible value for him. Yeah, He has selected the one team with what, in my opinion, is the worst trade package available. That's a combination of the picks that are available, the assets they have on roster.
0: Contracts going out.
1: The contracts going out and the likelihood, the likelihood that those picks that they're going to convey are going to be in the high 20s. If you're a team that literally never rebuilds, like the Heat, you're never going to get Like you do those those deals because you're like, hey, maybe down the line like this year had the Lakers lost in the play in tournament and then moved up in the lottery and the Pelicans had gotten the pick like that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. Like that's what part of the value the Pelicans got was that outside shot at getting an incredible value pick.
0: At one point, we thought that that pick was going to be Wembenyama. While Westbrook was still on the team, there was a lot of talk that that could be Wembenyama.
1: Right. And that's like what you do. But with the Heat, that's almost zero. So uh, they they don't want to add that in, but to me, that's part of the equation. The Heat side is like, well, Jovic is a first-round pick. Okay, he was 29th, did not play hardly at all last year. And they're like, but he's good. I was like, he could be. It's why it's a little bit more similar, honestly, to the Mark Gasol trade. I'm not sorry, mm-hmm. not the Marcus Gasol trade, the uh, Paul Gasol trade, where yeah. you look at that trade, and you're like, the Grizzlies got Marc Gasol in that deal. But at the time, everybody's like, great, they got the fat brother. That's all yeah. anybody thought.
0: Yeah. It was like... He was this- not on radars. And by the way, like, that was... There was, like, a lot of chance that went into them picking Marc Gasol. There was another player that... Yeah. Um, that, like, could have been selected yeah. there, that they, like, flipped the coin, and they were like, yeah, sure, I guess we'll take Mark. Yeah. Whatever.
1: And so that's like how that that winds up working out. Like that one's a little bit closer I think because the Pelicans deal like you you genuinely gave good value. Like right? the Lakers yeah. gave good value for a player of Anthony Davis's stature. That was a good return.
0: Especially compared to the offers that were coming in elsewhere, right? Like right. Boston wasn't putting in Jason right. Tatum. Hilariously the Knicks weren't putting in Knox, Kevin Knox, who Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like it's funny to mention now, but like at the time they were like, even he isn't on the table. And, uh, and, and, and that's
1: where, you know, I've got I've got a, a heat colleague uh, that has been like, well, where are these other offers? Then nobody's offering for a 34 year old Dame. I was like, if he's that bad of a contract, why do you want him so bad? <laughs> but the other thing here is, well, yeah, because Dame is actively like Dame's agency. It's not Dame. Dame's a- agency is actively poisoning the well. Yeah. And that's where I start to be like, this is where I start to get frustrated with the whole thing. I don't mind that Dame wants out. Nope. I don't mind the Dame wants a contender. I don't nope. mind the Dame has a list that has has preferred locations that he'd rather go to a coastal city rather than Minnesota. Like I think mean, Minnesota yes. would be awesome with him. I understand he'd rather go to an East Coast team than Minnesota. Fine, but yeah. when you're like it's only one team, I start to be like, eh. and then this when isn't it,
0: free agency.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like it's only <laughs> if one you wanted team. to go to
0: Minnesota, don't take the extension.
1: And you're forcing Portland to take what was ob- is objectively the worst offer available for a franchise superstar. And if you go like, but Dame's the reason, like Dame's made his own value. My problem with that is the people in Portland, the front office, the development staff, the coaching, the player development staff, the marketing department, everybody in that organization had a hand in building Dame up. Yeah. Okay. Now, does that mean that they get like the majority of the share for Dame's success? No. Does that mean no. that they get 20% of, the su- of Dame's success? No. Does it mean that they get 10%? Probably not. But there is a stakeholder. They have built something in, and they need to get return. And especially, you kind of mentioned the assets going out, the contracts. Oh, but they're getting Kyle Lowry's expiring contract. wee What's Portland going to do with that cap space? Yeah. There's nothing especially, like, it will be okay if they take the right approach with it. Which is, all right, you let Kyle walk, and then you basically do what Detroit did and what OKC's done for years, which is you go to all these teams that have overpaid, and you go, Mm -hmm. we'll take on your contract if you give us draft compensation. Yeah. But part of this problem, too, is in the midst of all this, guess what one of those contracts the team should be willing to be looking to move in such a situation? It's the Jeremy Grant contract, which they agreed to under the premise that Dame would be there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, do you think Joe Cronin would have done the handshake? And by the way, like this is what's really funny. Well, they didn't have to sign him to that deal. They agreed to the Jeremy Grant deal months ago. That's been yeah. known around the league. Like, there's a reason that nobody that Joe, that Jeremy Grant has not popped on any radars in any of the slot pieces that have come out. It's because everyone in the NBA knew that by All Star, that deal was handshake done. They were going to yeah. do this deal for that number, and that's it's poison. So on some level, I don't mind Dame and what he's done. I don't mind wanting a contender. I think it's fair for him to want out. Honestly, I think a lot of this too is this is not coming from Dame. It's coming from his agency that is actively, and you could say like they're working with his consent. And that's probably the best way to put this is Dame is not actively like upset with his agency for doing this, but I don't yeah. feel like this is where the whole idea of he won't, he'll be unhappy if he goes somewhere else. Everyone in the NBA I've talked to has kind of chuckled at that. It's like, if Dame gets traded to Minnesota, he's going to show up, he's going to play hard and they're going to win games. If he gets traded yeah. to New York, he's going to show up, he's going to play hard, they're going to win games. If he gets traded to Philly, he's going to show up, he's going to play hard, they're going to win games. Like there's zero confidence that Dame is going to be James Harden. They're wired differently.
0: Yeah, well, <clears throat> we th- we thought the same thing about Paul George, right? Like w- when when Paul George was getting traded out of Indiana, the notion was out there that if Paul George was traded to anywhere but the Lakers, that he would either not show up or he would sulk and he certainly wouldn't resign like you. There's no chance that you, that Paul George is going to stay wherever he is traded. If it isn't the Lakers long-term and then guess what happens? He makes that shitty documentary and makes us all watch seven parts of it and eventually arrives at the very end of it to, 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 to tell us that he is in fact staying in Oklahoma city. And like, by the way, if I were Minnesota, I would make that gamble happily make that. You would, you don't get dame otherwise, you know? Yeah. Um, if I was Brooklyn, I would make that gamble uh, happily, again, because he isn't wired the same way Kyrie is wired. I am,
1: I am stunned. And here, here, I'll give you some, some Lakers catnip here. I am stunned that the Boston Celtics are arrogant enough to be like, we will not include Jalen Brown in this trade. We're not going to do this yeah. deal.
0: Guys, it's Hilarious.
1: Jalen Brown has openly broadcast to you for months his unhappiness. He's been irritated with you over trade requests. He is yeah. not a big fan of uh, Boston the cultural attitudes (laughs) in the greater Massachusetts area Um, there's all which went over
0: super well by the way which only compounded the issue
1: (laughs) so I'm not saying that like Jalen's gonna ask out but I'm saying you have an opportunity to go get a chance like you make a run now you go get Dame and all of a sudden not only are you the favorites which they already are you go get Dame and you have Dame Tatum, Porzingis, good roster backing you. You would have to give up Jalen Brown and maybe some picks. Like the value you would get, you mm-hmm. don't have to give up this gigantic haul. You have an all-NBA player you're sending to Portland. Like, yeah, Portland would be like, Well, hell, you we can just build around Jalen and Scoot, and I like, Jeremy Grant, and just like at least we'll be pretty good and we can figure this out because we've already got Scoot. Yeah, Like there's all these opportunities for you if you were to do this, but they're so arrogant as to think like, no, 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 This yeah. is the year that Jalen Brown learns how to dribble. This <laughs> is the year. That it... <laughs> Cash in, man. And like, yes. I think Jalen Brown's amazing. I thought he was incredible last year. Like there was a stretch where he was averaging 30 a game as the second best guy on the floor, yeah. but you have a chance to go. If, if, if you're serious and you're like banner 18's the goal, And your problem has been that you don't have a point guard. Go get Dame. Yeah. Yeah, You will miss on Jalen Brown's last last six years of his career, which will last longer than Dame and be better than the next six years of Dame for sure. Yeah, But like that's, you do have to choose and this is a great opportunity for him. So it's baffling to me that, that Boston as great as Jalen Brown is. And I do think he's awesome that Boston Mm -hmm. has his ultimate Trump card if they just go to Joe Cronin and are like, yeah, we'll give you Jalen Brown and two picks. That's Done. better than this smorgasbord platter of garbage that the heat are throwing at them and forcing them to swallow. Yeah. Go take Jalen Brown, go do the Jalen Brown trade. It's crazy to me that there's enough arrogance in the Boston Celtics franchise to be like, no, nah, we don't need Dame. I get it. You made the finals and then you made the Eastern conference finals. I get you're close, but that mm-hmm. gap matters. That gap yeah. matters. And you have a chance to shore it up. Take it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, over the last, you know, 35 years or so, they have so much success to call back on that, you know, you can understand the arrogance. Um, all right, this has been a blast. It is always a blast, Matt. Uh, again, Matt is of the Action Network. They do incredible jo- uh, work on gambling and, and just on content in general. Um, I really enjoyed your stuff over the course of free agency as well. Uh, so that is the Action Network. They have an app that I am I, I happily have on my home screen especially during the playoffs this last year, I had that every time there was a game I was getting ready to bet. It's super easy to figure out not just what my favorite like analysts, uh, information is, but a combination of all of your guys's analysts over there who, who, uh, and, and, you know, where the majority of people will say we're standing on some of those bets. So that is very good stuff. Is there anything in particular you want to, uh, plug before I get you out of here?
1: I do have a look at the Lakers and about their value and about like, where are they at? Are they better? Or are they worse or, or where they're at? You can check that out on the app as well as, uh, I'll have win total stuff all throughout the summer. As soon as win totals drop, we'll have articles up immediately talking about the best bets to make over there on the action network app.
0: Great. All right. Well, I'll see you in about a 24 hours or so. See you then, buddy.